This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is entitled Acts of Faith by Myself. You can find all of our archived Shabbat messages at our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. You can also find my dad's essays that he writes each, each week, and you can subscribe to those if you put your email in the little email subscribe box. And uh, you can find our messages wherever you get your podcasts. And our theme music, as always, is by my buddy Evan Shaw. You can find him at his website, evanshawmusic.com. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does not. Matthew 8 today. So we're going to be in Matthew 8 and 9 and maybe 10. I don't want to make it too long and over, over the top. but um, so, so I've been reading in Matthew lately. And, and what, I, what I liked about... Um, Eight and nine, and then as you head into ten, and, and Yeshua giving instructions to his disciples as, he's, as they're going to head out into the world, so to speak, is the pattern that I kind of saw were these these acts of faith, where you had individuals who were willing to take action based on what was inside their hearts and their minds and their belief and the faith that they had that Yeshua could can or can could or would do something. For them, and it, and I and it's contrasted, I think, by um, by by others who have a lack of faith, and it's it's these two different groups of people. It's like the common people who are sick, or you know, a centurion. Uh, it's 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 basically in verses or compared and contrasted with the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees who are the religious leaders, they typify the religious leadership of the day and the well-educated ones and uh, not that education or leadership is bad, but oftentimes what happens when you get into a position of leadership, power, authority or whatever, you know, compromises happen and, and you end up losing the essence and the spirit of what God was trying to do in and through his people and his kingdom, and it all gets corrupted. And so I think it's an important thing for us to keep in mind and to learn from in today's day and age where we need to be a people of faith. And what I mean by that is not some like starry, woo-woo feeling, but, but it's a substantive, action-based working out of what's actually going inside on inside our heart and our minds because that's what we're going to see as we kind of get into this and look at these different groups of people in there uh, because i i believe especially as time rolls on and what's going on in the state of the world today and if in fact we live to see the tribulation or the days that are written about in revelation whether maybe we're there or maybe we're not uh, I think it's going to be all the more important of the people of God to be prepared mentally and spiritually inside because that's going to dictate what comes 
out in our behaviors, whether or not we comply, don't comply, uh, how we raise our children, what we do with our children, how we meet as an assembly and as a group. I mean, these are very real things that communities, congregations, synagogues, churches are facing right now is, you know, if you choose to meet as you deem fit before God, uh, you can be going against what the government says you can or cannot do, which can uh, open you up to, you know, arrest and all kinds of things like that. So, you know, who knew, who would have thought we'd be facing that in today's day and age here in America? Part of me thinks it's kind of exciting. Um, the other part of me just gets angry. But, um, you know, but I think this is, a, it's always an opportunity to be a light to show forth the truth of the word of God to the nation so that they see who and what we are and what we stand for and whether they ridicule and scorn that and mock it or they say, dang, they really believe what they say and somebody maybe looking from the outside was, ha you know, God was working in their heart and mind and they had some questions and some thoughts. You know, God can use this and work through all of this and I think it's important that we, like I said, our act as people of faith in our in our actions and behavior so we'll pray and then we'll just kind of get into this and go through these different these different illustrations here heavenly father god i do thank you for this day for shabbat this time to be together uh read your word hear from it and hopefully grow and go forth and be a light and a witness uh in the world around us especially in today's day and age and um i just pray that you would work in and through us to grow to be the people that we need to be for you to be used of you to spread forth the good news of, uh, uh, of life that you have given through the death of Yeshua. And I thank you for all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. All right, so first one we're going to look at is in chapter 8 of Matthew, verse 2. And it says, And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Yeshua put forth his hand, touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleaned. And Yeshua said unto him, Tell thou no man, but go thy way, and show thyself to the priests, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. So, first we have this example of a, a leopard. And on the surface, this is like a couple verses. It's really short, and it doesn't seem like a big deal. But this was a wicked big deal. Because basically, if you research leprosy throughout the Bible... People didn't get better from leprosy, and it was seen as a direct punishment from God. And basically, if you got leprosy, you know, you were in, you were in big trouble, and you were being, you know, uh, for seen as being uh, punished by God. And, and from as everything I understand, they didn't have people getting better from leprosy. And to be, when you did get, if you did get recover from leprosy, you had to go through this whole cleansing process and go to the priests and... Yeshua does tell the guy to go do that. And so Yeshua heals him. But what I want to focus on is that the fact that this guy looked and evidently saw Yeshua and his ministry and what he was doing and the power he had and believed that Yeshua could make him whole. Because, again, like I said, when you look at leprosy throughout the Bible, to recover from leprosy is basically an act of God. And so for him to understand that Yeshua could heal him of leprosy. He had faith and understood that Yeshua had the authority from God to be able to do, do that. And so he had something inside his heart and his mind and a belief and a faith to then take action 
seek out Yeshua, and Yeshua healed him, which is really cool. And so then the next one we're going to look at uh, is uh, in chapter eight as well, and verse five. It just kind of it just kind of goes continuing on, and I like what I, like I said. I want to see this pat hope, hopefully for us to see this pattern of people with faith, people who doubt Yeshua, uh, and basically the evidence of that is you either support Yeshua in his ministry and come to him for help, or you're basically against it and uh, antagonistic towards what, what God, what Yeshua is trying to do. So 8 verse 5, it says, When Yeshua was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a certain centurion. So this was a Roman centurion, beseeching him, saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Yeshua said unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth. And to another come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he does it. And when Yeshua heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you, Many shall come from the east to the west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So you have this centurion who was not part of the kingdom, basically. He was not part of the uh, uh, national people of God at the time. Israel as they saw it. Because you're coming off of the heels of the Maccabees, right? And they were very persecuted and what they considered Jewish and or not Jewish, Israelite, not Israelite, was somewhat convoluted. And you had Pharisaism, what eventually became the roots of what we now have as Orthodox Judaism and all of their qualifiers as to who's in the kingdom, who's part of the kingdom, how you get into the kingdom. And so for Yeshua to say that he hasn't found so great a faith, not in Israel, as he finds in this Roman centurion who was basically uh, working for the bad guys was was a stick in the eye, essentially, to the religious leadership in the first century. And so then he goes on to say that many shall come from the east and the west. And that's, that is to say those outside of the normative kingdom of Israel and shall sit down in the kingdom with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But those of the children, the, ki- the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. I.e., he's saying it doesn't have anything to do with your national heritage, background, or the blood flowing through your veins. It has all, everything to do with your faith. Why does he go back to Abraham? Because Abraham was a wandering Armenian. He was not an Israelite. He wasn't Jewish. He was a Gentile. And by his faith, he entered into the kingdom and the people of God. Because God has only one family from the beginning. And those who enter in, enter in by faith and by trust, not by a uh, doctrinal do's and, uh, or, or I should say probably dogmatic do's and don'ts. So you had a Roman centurion with faith. There was something inside him that, sh- that motivated him to humble himself and come before Yeshua and by his actions showing that he had trust and faith in God. And uh, it's just an awesome, awesome example. So, next one. Uh, 
It's not necessarily stated so much, but Peter's mother-in-law, we're going to keep going, basically 814. Uh, and when Yeshua was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. So you have Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, Peter obviously having faith, his family having faith to trust that Yeshua could heal. Uh, and then we're going to keep going to um, uh, uh, in 16. Uh, when evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. So, again, these people heard of him, knew of him, had faith that he could do something and heal him because there was something more to this guy than what was going on with the rest of the leadership of the day. And so he's undermining the authority by the people coming to him as the answer for their for their sicknesses and their problems you know they weren't going to the faith healer uh you know for who blessed some handkerchief and mailed it to you you know they went straight to the source uh and then we're gonna go to chapter nine and uh, ver, uh verse one and he entered into a ship passed over and came into his own city and behold they brought to him a man sick of the palsy laying on a bed and yeshua seen their faith said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. We're gonna stop there because we're gonna we're gonna come back to the we're gonna come back to the people who have a problem with what he said there. But anyways, he heals them, actually. It goes on and he ends up healing them because they doubt. And he says, Well, if you don't believe that I can forgive sins, then I'll heal the guy and show you that. But but I wanna show here that they had the these friends of this guy had faith that they took action in their life to put themselves in a position where Yeshua could heal them, where he could do something. And so, you know, that's the concept that I want us to see. <clears throat> and keep going in chapter 9, verse uh, 18. While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Yeshua rose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman, and then, so piggybacking on this story, is another person of faith. And a woman, behold, which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years, and came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. It's so interesting to me that there's a, this unseen mental action of faith and trust that was in this woman allowed or caused without even you should obviously he's god he knows everything but but the fact that like sh i'm sure plenty of people like well in other passages the the disciples were he turns around who touched me and the disciples are like you're in a crowd there's tons of people touching you well i'm sure lots of people had whatever a sore wrist or maybe a headache or what a problem but it wasn't like you she was just radiating out this energy all the time that this zapped and cured everybody's you know bald head or whatever you know there was something inside this woman that that whatever caused the free flow of energy you know what i mean so how's that happen i don't know but but there was a state of trust and faith in her that 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 caused action in her life. It's just awesome. And so 
I guess my point being, it's a it's a mental state, it's a heart state, it's a spiritual state to where, a, and one of humility. There's all these character traits that go into this that, can I say it this way? Allow God to act. Not that he doesn't act anyway in spite of us, but uh, it's kind of like us with our own kids. What do we look for inklings of of obedience, of behavior, of, okay, now I'm, I sense, I can feel, I can see that they are trying, that they're doing the right thing. And then what happens? The, the parent responds to that, right? Because the, the kid's doing their best. Sometimes the parent intercedes just anyway, but, but there's more free flow of good energy, right? Or treatment on, uh, on the behalf of, or from the parent to the kid when it's this reciprocal relationship, right? And you're interacting together. And it's the same thing, I think, with our Heavenly Father. Whereas if you're antagonistic, like we're going to read with the Pharisees, scribes, and Sadducees, they tend to just get the back of the hand. Um, and they get castigated from by Yeshua. So, you, so okay, so let's keep going. So along the way, to help this ruler out who's got faith, this woman gets healed because of her faith. And so... Uh, keep going. It says, uh, 22, but Yeshua turned him about and when he saw her said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. So her faith made her whole. And when Yeshua was coming to the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and people making noise, said unto them, give place for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. And when the people were put forth, which to me that it's like, you're there mourning. And then, and then you laugh somebody to scorn. It's like, you people are weird. Uh, so they said unto him, Give place, for the maid's not dead, but sleepeth the afternoon scorn. And when the people were put forth, he went in, took her by the hand, and the maid rose. And then the fame hereof went abroad into all that land. And so he heals, arises the dead from the, the girl from the dead. Um, maybe she was just sleeping. We don't know for sure. Either way, it was something that he did. And, but the ruler had the faith that he could and or would do it, um, which allowed for, again, that transfer of energy from God. Okay, a couple more here. Uh, 927. And when Yeshua departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying, and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Yeshua said to them, Believe you that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched ye their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Their eyes were opened, and Yeshua straightly charged them, saying, See that no man knoweth it. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. So these two men, and they're, they, they're crying, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And then he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they say, Yea, Lord, according, and he says, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. So again, they had a trust, they had a faith, they had a belief that Yeshua could do this act to restore their sight. Nobody restored sight. It was, and even in some of the rabbinic literature, it says, you know, you'll know it's the Messiah when he restores sight to the blind, raises uh, uh, blind from birth, you know, raises people from the dead, the dumb. All these miracles that Yeshua did was proving his uh, that he was the Messiah sent from God. Okay, so last one. Uh, 9, 32. 
so keep going basically where we were. And so they went out. Behold, they brought him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. So, uh, obviously, though, you know, they, 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 whoever brought that person to Yeshua had faith that he could do something. Now, to kind of contrast um, what's going on um, with the faith is, we see illustrations of lack of faith. And so if we go back to 8, 20, uh, chapter 8 and go to 23, you have first a lack of faith on the disciples' part. <laughs> They're seeing all this. Everything's happening. People believing and trusting in Yeshua. They go into a ship. The winds and the storms and the waves can't come up. And they, they doubt. They don't have a lack of faith. Wondering, you know, can, uh, what's going to happen to them? So, 30, 23 of chapter 8, they enter into a ship and disciples fall, and behold, there was a great tempest in the sea, and so much the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. So they have some amount of faith that he's going to, you know, the ship can't go down because, you know, Yeshua is on there, but they're like, what are you doing? And... Uh, 26, and then he said, and why are you fearful, you of little faith? And he arose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But they marveled, saying, what manner of man this is that even the winds and the sea obey him? So they have little faith because they doubt, they wonder what's going to happen. Uh, again, so what was really in their hearts, what was really in their mind, kind of came out to some degree. When the rubber hit the road, when you're in a boat, I've been on a boat, on anchor, with wind, praying pretty freaking hard that everything's going to be fine. <laughs> it's, it's pretty scary. And so I can sympathize with them. Uh, when you get into those situations, uh, and especially when it's the middle of the night and you're not thinking clearly anyway, it's, uh, yeah, it's rough. So your inner demons really, demons, you know, your inner weaknesses really come out and so i think it's important in life to have discipline in ourselves and how we act on a regular daily easy simple basis because if we can't pull our acts together in those situations there's just not a chance that we're gonna be, we're, we're gonna rise to the heights of spiritual trust and faith when it all goes wrong. It's just not the way it happens. As Koi said a million times, you don't rise to the level of your expectations, you fall to the level of your training. Well, training is has to be done on a on a daily basis, really, to build habits of faith and trust. To, that you know we have something within us that we have a faith, but if that's never exercised uh, on any tangible level in life it's anemic it's weak you know there i do jujitsu if you don't do jujitsu two you if you do like two days a week you can kind of sort of maintain where you are but you're not going to go anywhere you're not going to get any better really or wicked slow and it's the same thing in our own spiritual walk and life with god if we are not in his word having a relationship with him and then uh overlaying that on our lives and how we're going to act and what we're going to do, uh, putting ourselves into scenarios uh, that we have to engage on a spiritual level, 
you know, I'm just afraid for our uh, preparedness, my preparedness. Um, and so as we see the things in the world happening now, uh, I think it has shown our lack of spiritual preparedness due to the fact of churches and synagogues just waffling, you know, around the world. And um, that's rather disconcerting. But before I, I want before pointing too much fingers at them, I have to make sure I look at my own life, and my own heart, to make sure I am being what I should be, so that when the waves and tempests come, we can not fall apart emotionally, you know. All right. Um, the next lack of faith we're going to see is uh, in chapter eight, and we're going to go to um, thirty-four. So. Oh, so anyways, they're in the boat. They go across. They make it across. He goes. He casts out some demons that go then into the swine. All the swine run off the cliff, go into the ocean. <clears throat> and in 34, it says, Behold, the whole city came out to meet Yeshua. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coast. They want him gone. They don't want him there. They've seen what he's doing. They've seen how he casts out. They don't have faith or amazement or excitement that he acts like saved two people. They're concerned about, you know, their pigs all just ran off a cliff and they want them out of there. So there's a 180 degree difference in the lack of faith and trust in that city versus some other places that he goes. And so, again, my point being, what's inside gets manifested outside, especially during times of unrest, <clears throat> whether there's faith and trust or not. Um, and then go to chapter nine, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna look at verse three, and then uh, verse eleven. So verse three. <clears throat> so this is right after he heals the guy, the palsy. Verse three, and says, "Behold, and certain of the scribes said within themselves." Well, actually, he told them that their sin, his sins was forgiven, which was to them an even big, bigger deal. Right? We'll break that down a little bit more, but. Uh, says, verse 3, Behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. <clears throat> and Yeshua, knowing their thoughts, where, uh, said, Wherefore think ye evil in their hearts? Do you see what they say and what came out of them was the product of their thoughts and what was in their heart, which could care less about someone's sins being forgiven, that they trusted in God and were going to change their lives. And then he, and then he goes on to heal them to, give, to show them, though, so you'll see that I have the ability to forgive sins, that now the guy's healed. They don't care about that. What they, they have not the Spirit of God in them that sees the, the truth right in front of them and how they should live it. They're motivated by... Uh, by the, their father, the devil, basically, because they do not have the Spirit of God within them. And, and because of that, they are at odds with Yeshua. So it, when the rubber meets the road and when situations arise, everything gets clarified, as we're seeing so well in today's day and age, in what people do, how they act, whether they trust and follow God or they don't. And so uh, it's really pretty interesting. So then, let's go to 9, verse 11. Uh, so, um, oh, so he sits down with, uh, 
he, he says, Matthew, come follow me. And then he sits down with publicans and sinners and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they say unto his disciple, why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? And, um, and when Yeshua heard it, they said unto them, they that behold need not a physician, but they that be sick. Go ye and learn what it means. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So they, again, have no faith, no trust in him. And so what they are looking at is, is all mechanics and semantics and their own mental constructions of what they have laid out as right and wrong and good and bad. Because they, again, seen themselves as the chosen people of God in the kingdom. They were not to have contact with, as they thought, uh, people who were unclean or unpure or who were sinful uh, for fears of contamination and all of all of that. And on one level of that, yeah, we're not supposed to have fellowship with, uh, uh, with the sinful world. But what that doesn't mean is that, that you avoid regular people like the plague. You're supposed to have compassion, mercy on them, and be a light unto them. To, like as Yeshua said, those who are sick need a physician. They need to be brought to the knowledge of God. Whereas the Pharisees, the leadership of that day, used their position as something to keep people out of the kingdom. They used it as a stick rather than a carrot, something to draw people in. And so, why? Because what was inside them, their hearts and their lives, was not to draw people to God and to see people healed. It was to maintain the religious apparatus that they had constructed around them. Well-intentioned, I think, again, coming off of the heels of the Maccabees, but again, anytime mankind and their religious organizations depart even the smallest amount, which you almost can't help because we're all human, from the Word of God and from what God intended. And if you don't maintain a spirit of humility, it just all goes to hell really fast, really quickly. And you end up with whatever, building projects that are $20 million and whatever. Um, so they did not have faith. They, they, uh, they lacked the Spirit of God and they missed the essence and the nature of what God's whole mission on earth was to do, was to save people. Okay, so now let's go up to um, 9 and uh, verse 34. And so, again, the Pharisees not having faith, but what I want us to see is what Yeshua did because he is our example. He was, he was balanced. He was obviously God on earth, but... Uh, I believe he came to walk out the Torah perfectly and show us how to do that in a, in a disaster of a world in which it certainly was in the first century and it's not a whole lot better now. So, uh, 34. <clears throat> so Yeshua said, he, uh, the Pharisees said, he casts out devils through the prince of devils. 35. And Yeshua went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. And he said unto his disciples, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. 
Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So can you see the heart difference in leadership, obviously, between Yeshua and the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees? One was condemnatory, keeping people at bay, you, do, you dirty sinner people, whereas Yeshua has mercy and compassion and wants to draw people to himself to change their lives. Sometimes he's hard on people, but oftentimes, more often than not, he sees the state of things and wants to have people come to him and have faith and trust. And he's very hard on the leadership that does not exhibit uh, that which Yeshua uh, is trying to teach and get across. So I was going to get into 10, but I think we'll probably call it there. And uh, because out of that is going to spring forth then what the mission is that he gives his disciples uh, when he sees all this and he tells them to go. And I think it's good information. I think it is good information and good stuff. So you can read 10 on your own as to what then his disciples, his followers, his believers, us, what we're supposed to go and do out in the world uh, and how we're to react in certain situations uh, because there's going to be uh, persecution and uh, trials and it's not going to be easy and all peaches and cream, but God is with us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this day, for your word, the truth of it. Help us to be people of faith, to serve you, to be in your word to be disciplined, to be humble so that we can uh, follow you and your example and be people of faith so that when situations arise, we're able to uh, act as we should, God. And so I just thank, this time, thank you for this time to be together uh, and thank you for our little congregation and all the people that come and a uh, place to be able to meet amidst whatever's going on and I just pray that you would bless and that you would uh, guide us to serve and obey you as we should. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does Oh, 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 oh,